Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. So today I have with me Heidi Brocky. Heidi is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. After 14 years in an extremely emotionally and narcissistically abusive relationship, she broke the chains and turned her past into her passion. She left her 24-year career in healthcare to be the person she needed when she herself was trapped in the darkness of an unhealthy relationship to provide hope, healing, and freedom to those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse, and narcissistic behaviors. Kind of like me. (laughs) That's why we get along so well. I just want to remind everyone, first of all, um, before we get into this episode with uh, Dr. Heidi Brocky, that uh, I do have a group program starting up in September. So I'm super excited about it, you guys. If you didn't hear me talk about it uh, on the episode a couple of weeks ago, um, I kind of went through it a little bit uh, in the intro, but instead of taking on as many private clients as I've been taking on, which has been really, really depleting for me um, and also a little bit limiting in terms of the number of people that I can really directly impact. Um, I've decided to shift my model a little bit and I'm going to be launching an amazing, really in-depth group program so that you can do this work in community with other people that are going through it, some of them at different stages, but that's kind of the beauty. I am going to be super, super hands-on as if you were working with me privately, but you just also get the the added bonus of going through it with um, a bunch of other people. Um, And the price point is going to be more uh, reachable than my you know, one-on-one private coaching. So um, it's a win-win all around. I'm super excited about it. If you want to get on the list to hear about it first when it launches, go to kateanthony.com and then click on private coaching and put your email address in the box that says like click to be notified. You're going to get, if you do that, you'll, you'll be notified about it first when it, when it first launches. And um, yeah, I'm super excited about it guys. Super, super excited. Anyway. So now let's get back to my interview with Heidi Brocky. Dr. Heidi Brocky, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about all things toxicity, toxic relationships and healing and all of that. So why don't we just start off by, tell us your story. How did you end up here doing this work? I've asked myself that question a thousand times. How do you end up? Girl, same. How did I end up being the expert in this? What the hell? Oh my God. Um, Same. So (laughs) my doctor title, I am not a mental health professional. 
Mm-hmm. I am a chiropractor acupuncturist by trade. And um, so I did 25 years in healthcare, uh, but I also did 15 years in a relationship that was very unhealthy for me. Um, when I was in it, I didn't know what was the, what the deal was, because when you're in it and you're living it every day, it's just, it becomes your life. Right. Um, 15 years after with two kids, I ended up basically long story short, running away. Um, trick there is I was already divorced for two years when I finally had to run away. Oh, um, so I left my practice. I signed my practice over. I signed my patients over. I basically left everything and I had to leave my daughters when I first left and I relocated and I started another practice. Um, and then I discovered a little professional burnout as we mm, all do. Sure. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. I felt myself doing the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on the table. And I thought, okay, you're starting to burn out as a chiropractor. We got to incorporate something else because it doesn't do your patients any good if you're in burnout mode. Right. So I started coaching and I just started coaching in making yourself a priority because mm-hmm. I had zero intention of talking about the worst part of my life. Right. Um, and I did, I started women's retreats and just stuff to, you know, just jazz up my life a little bit. So it wasn't so mundane. And I realized that the people that were coming to me for priority coaching were actually coming out of relationships that had been very similar to mine. Um, I didn't talk about it when I was in it. People don't understand it. Uh, You have to go home and live with them. So you can't really talk about it. And then when I moved, I didn't talk about it for about four years because how am I supposed to explain that I'm a mom that left two teenage daughters four hours away? Mm -hmm. So I didn't talk about it. And it was my opportunity to start talking about my past when this kind of started developing. And uh, from there, it just, it just grew and grew. And now I actually am retired from healthcare and I, I do this full time. And really what I do is I do a ton of education. Yes. Right. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yep. Until if I would have understood it the way I understand it now, it would have been a lot easier to navigate the Mm -hmm. waters within that. Um, right. And so, so I do a lot of education and I do a lot of healing with people. Okay. I'm curious, sort of when you say that you ran away and, and you left behind your kids, were you in contact with them when you were gone? Like how, or did you like actually have to kind of go into hiding kind of thing? Uh, he, he, he kept them from me. Oh, yeah. He, he, you know, blocked me from their phone, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the hardest thing for me to remember when that happened is my kids were still in it. Right. So I had to put myself in their shoes because they didn't want to cause conflict with him. They didn't want to make him mad. They didn't want to get in trouble. So I just really had to change my perspective on if they need me, they'll reach out. I had to look at it as the no news was good news because mm. if it was an emergency, they would, they would find me. Okay. But, um, you know, I left that marriage six times. Yeah. Well, and so, as we my do, girl, right? right. And so, and my girls had done the same thing. They would leave. When they couldn't stand it anymore, they'd run away. They'd come and have me pick them up. Um, and then after a couple of weeks, he would threaten to, you know, sell their animals or I'll buy you a new truck or, you know, whatever he could do to suck them back. And of course, as teenagers, they hear buy you a new truck. Yeah. Right. But right. Um, I also knew that I, I didn't leave until I was ready. So I knew my they wouldn't leave until they were ready. 
and so it ended up fine. My girls are 24 and 26 now, and they're both out on their own and they're, they're doing great. Um, one speaks to him a little bit. The other one hasn't spoken to him in five years. Wow. Um, I've been out for 14 years now. Yeah. Um, I've been happily remarried for 10. Great. Um, so you know, I'm at the spot now that not that I don't still have things that come up from, you know, the trauma that I have been through, but I am living a very, very happy life. And now that I do this for a living, I don't know that I would change my past because this is the best job I've ever had. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree. It's awful and it's exhausting and it takes a lot out of us. I think, you know, we could probably agree, but it's incredibly fulfilling. I grew up in this little tiny Christian community in Bozeman, Montana. Oh, wow. So, uh-huh. And my dad was a prison chaplain and my grandpa was a preacher. And I think I left that community thinking everybody was good because that was the perception of what I had in that mm-hmm. community. So I had no mm-hmm. idea there was right. people like this out there. But when I look back, I feel like, um, I feel like it was kind of a joke. It was like, okay, you're going to be a chiropractor for 25 years while I train you to do your real job. Right. Yes. You know? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you probably know, your passion shows through, I left health healthcare and I haven't missed it one second. I feel the same way. I was an actor for 30 years and I have not missed it one iota, <laughs> not yes. one iota, you know, when you're doing what you're meant to be doing and you're living your passion and making a difference in the world, you know, well, you know, it's funny you say that because when you're in an unhealthy relationship, you become a very good actress as well. Yeah. I'm happy. Yes. We have a happy family. Yes. Everything's yeah. okay. Oh, God. And, pl- and the role playing and the chameleon trying to keep things yes. right. Who, yes. who, you know, being who you think you have to be today to keep the peace, you know, yep. the, yeah. So, um, so you have a relationship now with your, with your girls. Yes. I'm I'm really curious about this because I have so many, you know, there's so many women that I, that I work with who have younger kids in particular, right. And they don't want to leave because of their, because they don't want to be alienated from their children. They don't want to, um, you know, leave their kids in his care um, because it's so toxic. What would you say to them? Every situation is different, right? Obviously my girls at 11 and 13, when I left, had been in the relationship as long as I had. And one morning I woke up and as you can see, I have dark hair. I looked in the mirror. I had blonde hair because he always wanted to marry a blonde. So (laughs) over the years, it was more highlights, more highlights, more highlights. Um, I am very extroverted. I am loud. I'm obnoxious. I'm the party girl. And by the time I left, I had blonde hair. I never laughed. I never talked. I looked at the ground. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at my girls and I thought, this is the only example of a relationship and a mom that they have ever had because he kept us very isolated. Right. And because I knew that they had learned to navigate just like I had, they were problem solvers. They were very tough girls. I thought if I don't get out of here and, and get myself healed, I'm never going to be the mom that they need. Right. And you know, they totally appreciate the fact that I left the five years we spent without each other was difficult. But as we look back on it now, everything happened like it was supposed to. However, my daughters will both say they wish I would have left when they were younger. 
Yes. Because the misconception is that we are staying to protect our kids. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. When I started looking, I wasn't protecting them even, even when I was there. Right. Because you can't, we think we're mitigating it. What I always say is we're like, we think we're mitigating. We're actually condoning it. Mm -hmm. Right. We're giving them a message that like, this is normal and this is okay. And, and the other thing we, we all do this, not, not just with our kids, but we make excuses for their behavior. Right. Oh, you guys, he's not in a good mood. Let's, let's go to our rooms and be quiet tonight. Or dad had a bad day or, you know, you know, mom's fighting with her sister. So let's, you know, we make excuses for their behavior. So we're covering up the reality of the fact that it is abuse. Right. Because we're the ones going, oh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Right. right. And, and it was the hardest decision of my life. And oh, it was the worst I can't even imagine. of my life. But I also knew that if, if they didn't see his true colors, they would think it was normal and they would end up in relationships just like that. And I knew at some That's point right. when they were 18, they were going to be able to make the decision on the relationship they wanted with them. And I wanted them to be able to make an educated decision, not, not one that he swayed their direction or mom was talking bad about dad to sway them my direction, you know, and they yeah. both right. chosen different types of relationships. They've chosen good, healthy relationships. Um, is that what you said? Yeah. Well, they, yes, they do. They recognize it very much, but yeah. one of them speaks to him occasionally, and the other. Oh, right. One, I see. So they, with the relationship they made their decision on what's healthy for them as far as the relationship with their dad goes. Yes. Yes. And and the only way that we can that that we can give that gift to our kids is by giving them the gift of perspective. Right. If we don't get out, they never get perspective. There's no alternate reality for them. Mm-hmm. And for now we choose for go, mom, you are the strongest person I know. Ugh. I mean, that's huge because if, if you would have seen me 15 years ago, I, same, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, unbelievable. And th- that's why I left is that I realized that I like felt like I was a really strong, powerful woman somewhere, somewhere deep inside me, but everything I was living was mm-hmm. the exact opposite. And I was like, he's going to grow up to choose weak codependent women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a son. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm raising an abuser. If I don't get out of here, he's going to be an abuser. And oof, that was like, that was the moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm happy to report that he's almost 17. He's in a really, really, really loving, wonderful relationship with a kick-ass girl who's See, it doesn't, you doesn't know, it make it's like, so happy. Oh my God. Well, I sort of felt like, oh my God, the, the, you know, my, my theorem it was proven. My theory was proven. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank God. You know, I mean, time will tell obviously, but they're, they're, they're so healthy. Mm-hmm. They're so healthy with each other. There's not an ounce of codependence. They're just, they're totally interdependent and loving and sweet. And I got to love watching them. So, yes. So, okay. So let's talk about the work that you're doing now. You said you do a lot of education. So let's talk about that. How do you educate people? So the first thing that I always like to define is toxic because Mm -hmm. when I started this, I chose the word toxic as a blanket phrase. And it was before toxic was everywhere all over social media Um, because toxic is not a diagnosis. Toxic yes. nosis, mm-hmm. or toxic is an adjective 
that's, that's right. used to describe any, you know, any relationship in the status that it's in that's not healthy for you. Sure. And I think the thing that people don't realize when they're searching for validation on is this unhealthy or is this not, or is this abuse or is this not, or is this toxic is we're looking for a checklist. Right. Okay. That's toxic. Yep. This is not because we want validation. That's right. And in reality, we are the ones that get to choose what relationships in our lives are healthy for us and which ones are not. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm assuming that you came from a former relationship somewhat like I did. Yep. And <laughs> What we keep doing in those relationships is we keep, there was times in your relationships when something would happen and you would go, why can't, why can't you just act normal? Yep. Like, why can't you? Oh my God. Nice. Oh my God. Right. Right. Yep. I was going to describe you and I's personality and the majority of the people who end up in toxic relationships. And it's not just females, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I should add toxic relationships can be in friendships. They can be in coworker situations. They can be in family circles. Absolutely. Um, but we keep looking at him going, why can't you just act normal? Okay. You and I are the kind, caring, loving, giving fixers, supporters, conflict avoiders, peacekeepers, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We only know how to see the world through our eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the toxic personality is driven by something completely different. We can't understand it. Yeah. So that's right. So that's, that's what I teach because it, because we are so worried about what they're doing and what they're saying because we have to stay one step ahead. If they say this, I'm going to do this. And if they do this, I got to do this. And we have a plan A and a plan B to keep the peace when we're in right. those situations. Yeah. We never have time to think this is what they say and this is what they do, but what's motivating it. Mm-hmm. And what's mm-hmm. motivating the toxic personality is the same thing, whether it's the bully on the playground or the person I and you had to walk away from. The, the thing that motivates the toxic person is insecurity in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so I, I teach how everything they say or do feeds back to the security in themselves. So our personalities are in their life to feed them with the things that make them feel secure. Yes. And it is a bottomless pit, right? Because I mean, it depends on the personality type, obviously, but I think that for, for people for whom, um, you know, there's a, there is, you know, childhood trauma that creates this sort of void in security in them. And so they're out there trying to get their, that secure, that empty well filled with us, right? It's not ours to fill, right? And so right. what ends up happening is we can't fill it. We try. Oh my God, we try for years. And then we realize like nothing I do works, but then they get mad at us because we're doing something wrong and we're not filling it. And so we are not fulfilling our duty in the marriage or relationship. Right. Right. Now, if you, I, I sometimes explain it like this, think about a time in your life when you felt like your life was going the direction that you loved it. It was when your business was going well and your son was doing good and you had a great group of friends and you were working out three times a week and you lost lost five pounds. It's the things we put into our own life that make us feel secure, that make right. us feel confident. Yep. Yep. Toxic yep. personality can't do that. That's right. They can't put enough into their own life to make them feel secure. It doesn't matter how many friends, how much money, what shape they're in. They have to place people in their life that supply them with the things that they need to feel secure. And those things are control, power, Mm -hmm. attention. Mm -hmm. They need people to feed them with that so that they feel secure. So you and I are a 
complete target for that type of personality. Because if you had a personality that wanted to control and wanted power and wanted attention, we would go for the kind, caring, loving, giving, fixers, supporters. Oh, I'll help. I'll fix everything. I'll take care of you personality. Right. Of course. Right. Yeah. So you and I feel like we picked the wrong person and we didn't pick them. They picked us because they knew this is the personality that supplies them with the things that they will feel feel secure with. Yep. So if we go back to my story, Mm -hmm. um, people just fall over when they hear that the day I actually ran away, I'd been divorced for two years because it it didn't have anything to do with the relationship. It had 100% to do with the control he had over me. So me divorcing him just gave him permission to have a legal girlfriend and still control me financially, still control me with the kids, still, you know, but because I didn't understand it now, looking back, why would he change anything? Right. Exactly. Yep. Just like the dictators in history, they don't conquer one country and then go, okay, that's good enough. Right. You know, right. They feel more power and control. So the more people that a toxic person has feeding the better they feel about themselves. Yes. And, you know, I, I wrote an article years and years and years ago um, in the Huffington Post called Why I'm Giving Up My Amicable Divorce <laughs> because it was the same thing. I went from super toxic, abusive relationship into now we're best friends and let's stay best friends. We'll be best friends forever. Right. And it was like, there was no healing. There was no separation. Right. And I think what so many people do is that we get legally and physically divorced, but we forget to get psychologically and emotionally divorced. Right. And so they continue to have that hold over us. Yeah. And the thing that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, our friends and our family look at us like, how come you're still there? Why don't you just leave? Yeah. Okay. The toxic personality is very emotionally abusive. They, they use, they want to see a reaction. Mm -hmm. If they could do or say something to make you happy or to make you sad or make you feel guilty or make you frustrated, those are your emotions. But when they say or do something to draw that emotion out of you, they're actually in control of your emotions. That's right. You know, you, you try to go to Mexico with your friends and they give you the guilt trip. Okay. Uh We feel guilty because they're making us feel guilty. Not that we should feel guilty, but what do we do? We cancel the trip because we don't want to have conflict. Right. So when, when people who don't understand that emotional bond or that trauma bond, which some people call it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we get so dependent on them for our emotions Mm -hmm. that when we leave or we try to leave, we don't, we don't know that there's any other way. Right. And I work with you, would you do the same thing? I work with people going through divorces Mm-hmm. We become trained when we're in those situations to avoid conflict, to not make them mad, to keep the peace, to take care of them. And when they file for divorce and they remove themselves, we don't even realize that we have permission to change that. Right. You right. Know, if they if they can keep you under their control at any level, they're going to. So uh, it's it's a misnomer. You think, okay, good, I'm going to divorce them, and then for some reason we think they're going to be a great co-parent. Right. <laughs> well, they're not. They're going to be the right. same person they were when you were married to. So, so don't think you're going to be best friends because any type of emotional relationship you have with them, they will still be in control of that, and they'll still take advantage, and they'll still turn the wheels. All of yep. the, all of the things that they do um, in order to maintain power and control until or unless they get a new supply. But even then, 
they will, if they can still abuse you, then that leaves room for them to continue to teach, to treat their new supply really, really, really well, because they have to have someone to abuse. So if they're still abusing you, you know, you're basically the lightning rod (laughs) for this other person. And now a word from our sponsor, the Divorce Survival Program. Now that you know that divorce is on the horizon, you need to get up to speed on how all of this works. Stat. You probably have a million and one questions swirling through your head from how and when do we tell the kids to will my ex and I ever get along again and just about everything in between. You've got legal questions, you've got financial questions, and you've got a whole host of questions about your kids. And that doesn't even touch how you'll start your life over again. Lucky for you, I have the answers to all of your questions. As one of the pioneers of the divorce coaching industry, I've been helping women navigate the divorce process for the last decade. And now, for the first time ever, all of my divorce wisdom is available in one online program. The Divorce Survival Program will help you process the emotional fallout of your divorce so you don't go into mediation bitter or resentful. It'll help you understand the difference between litigation, mediation, collaborative divorce, and identify which is right for you. It'll help you tell your husband you want a divorce in a way that doesn't keep you stuck in a circular conversation for the next three months. It'll help you tell your kids you're getting a divorce in a way that won't completely break them. It'll help you understand how your divorce will impact your friends and family and what conversations are appropriate to have with each. It'll help you create appropriate and healthy boundaries with your ex and learn about dating after divorce and how that will affect you, your kids, and yes, even your ex. But most important, the most important thing this program will help you do is protect your children from any unnecessary fallout from an ugly and contentious divorce litigation. And that, my love, is fucking priceless. So sign up today. Go to kateanthony.com slash getting divorced and don't forget to use the code DSGPOD for $50 off. That's DSGPOD, Divorce Survival Guide Podcast, because that's where you heard it. DSGPOD will give you $50 off. So once again, that's kateanthony.com slash getting divorced. And now back to our episode. If you remember at the beginning of relationships, mm-hmm. the beginning of all relationships are good, even if they end bad. Right. So at the beginning of the relationship, we're supplying them with a lot of attention and a lot of admiration. Right. right. But then as it goes on, they move you into the one that they're feeling power and control over. Right. So, so what happens then? Oh, we go over here to get attention and admiration. Yes. You know, you go and, back, they go back to you. They go back to you. Right. Once, once the other, per, once the other one. Yeah. Is, or they cheat on you or they cheat. Wife and you're working, uh-huh. working and taking care of the house. Well, you're under their control. So now they have to go get a girlfriend. Yeah. And I, not that they all do that. Some get attention and admiration from their work or from, you know, volunteering or whatever. Uh, but when, when we look at them and they're, they have a new supply and they act like they're happy, that's just the beginning. Check back in two years, because now that's the one that's going to be stuck in the house and there's going to be a new supply. That's right. It's textbook. It's, I mean, it really, I mean, and the overlap and the cheating and the, right. And it is, it's all this filling of the void, right? I mean, it's, it's the filling of whatever, whatever void was left from whatever childhood trauma, right? So often, so often, not always, this is not always the case, but I mean, I think it, I think it really primarily is 
Well, and I always feel safe saying this, and some people think it sounds awful, but since I'm not a mental health professional, I'm going to say it anyway. Sure. Okay. They're insecure for some reason, right? It might be a traumatic upbringing. It might be a diagnosis. It might be an addiction, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they're an adult. So if they have insecurity issues, it's, it's their problem. I don't care what's causing the insecurity. (laughs) say, I girl, I'm the same way. I'm like, you are a grown ass man. There are so many therapists out there who can help you, who can identify this stuff. Go get yourself fixed. Yep. And there's a lot of my clients that want to know, um, is he a narcissist? Is he that's right. And I say the same thing. I don't care. Does it make the relationship any healthier for you? Right. Exactly. And stop trying to focus on him because, because what they're looking for, what we're always looking for is that key. Like there is one key and if I can just find it, I'll unlock him and he will change. Yes. Right. And then so wake up and act like me, then he'll wake up and act like a normal person. Right? right. And that it just doesn't work that way. And, and, you know, too, I am, I am very understanding that this personality plays mm-hmm. a huge part in our world. Yep. So, so I am not a toxic person basher because that's their personality and that's how they were created. And this is my personality. Mm-hmm. My thing is we, we have to learn to accept them for who they are, not who we want them to be. Yes. And allow them to do that. And you decide if they're healthy for you or not. And if they're not, that's okay. Well, and it's right. And, and the process of that really is what, you know, what you do, what I do is shifting that focus because they're so focused on what is he? What's the diagnosis? Is he NPD? Is he this? Is he a sociopath? Is he right? And and the thing is, like you, neither of us can diagnose him. Even if we were mental health professionals, we couldn't diagnose him because he's not our client. And at the end of the day, the focus has to go back on you. Yep. We we spend so much time with that magnifying glass trying to figure them out. Well, and I think part of that is good because because we need validation because we feel like we're crazy when absolutely. We're in- so part of it is good, but, but then, then stop focusing on that. Mm-hmm. And I actually mm-hmm. run a support group on Facebook and I am adamant that we don't spend our time talking. We don't about talk him. about him. That's what I, in my group, the, my group is the same thing. It's one of the we rules. Are, we, don't we don't talk about him. We don't screenshot conversations. We don't play by play things. We've all been there. We've all lived that life. Uh-huh. What are we doing different? If you want to do that, there's 1800 support groups. You can go do that in 100%. because and, and if you think about it, they want our attention all the time. So when you were mm-hmm. in the relationship, did you ever have time to focus on yourself? So when we're continuing to just put our attention on them, we have to, we have to understand that that's our body just doing what they trained it to do. Mm-hmm. We have to reprogram. And, and I always felt like maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I need therapy. Oh, maybe I need, yeah, and what I realized is there, this is nothing that's wrong with us. This is something that happened to us. Yes. We were programmed to do and think the way they wanted. And, and all we have to do is reprogram it, refocus our attention and, and re-put our investment into ourselves as opposed to them. Yes. How many, yes. How many years did we stand? We jump on that stupid treadmill of approval. I'll be good enough. I'll do better. I'll dye my hair blonde. I'll get skinnier. I'll, I'll be a better wife. I'll, you know, where's our attention when we're on the treadmill? On, on them. Him. Right. On, right. Exactly. And, and so you're just, we get so used to just continually having our attention on them. It takes work and you've done it. It takes work 
Yeah. To learn to put your attention and your, your self-care switch back on. That's right. It takes so much work. So, so how do you help people do that? Right. Cause we talk about these things and we're like, well, you just have to keep the focus on yourself. And people are like, I don't know what that well, means. Yeah. <laughs> like Kate, you just have to love yourself. Oh more. my God. Like, right. Fuck you're you. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like any, any other bullshit you want to tell me? Yeah. Or, right. or when, when people would say just one day at a time and uh-huh. I'm thinking, I've been doing one day at a time in survival mode for 15 years. One day right. at a time. Isn't... Right. Right. Um, right. My number one thing that I absolutely 100% make sure my clients understand is they have to understand their situation. They have to be able to see the situation and the behaviors through the toxic person's eyes. You mm. have to be able to see the world, yeah. how they see it. That's okay. the only thing that's going to take your power back. So I do a so ton that's of- sort of ironic right? Because in a sense, you're asking to get into their shoes in order to take your power back. So why does that, why does that work? Because, because of their drive for insecurity, Mm. almost everything your toxic person says or does is to feed that insecurity. Mm. So let's just take, for example, when they come home from work and they slam the door, why would they slam the door? To get attention. Attention. (laughs) Sure. Right. Right. Okay. Why, why would they, um, why would they pick a fight in the middle of your favorite movie? To get attention. Attention. And (laughs) now they're controlling the fact that you can't watch the movie and they feel powerful. Why would they cross your boundary? When you say, can you please not wear your muddy shoes in the house? You know what the toxic person does. They stroll right in the house with their muddy shoes. Why? Yeah. Because they're taking away your power. Right. When you set a boundary, you're in control. And that's not how it works in these situations. Right. So almost everything that they say or do, you can plug into, is it control? Is it power? Is it attention? Or is it admiration? And it is all for security in themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We get up in the morning and we go, I have 8,000 things to do. And I'm going to make sure that everybody in my world is taken care of. Yeah. And the toxic personality gets up in the morning and he goes, I shouldn't say he. And they go, how am I going to feel secure today? Uh-huh. And then they look at the people in their life and they start doing and saying things to get those four things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as an example of how we know you get dependent on them for your emotions, the only thing consistent about a toxic person is that they're inconsistent. Yes. Okay. Isn't when that they, the truth? Because when they can stay inconsistent, our attention has to stay on them to stay one step ahead of them. We have to, that makes us hypervigilant and right. And, and hypervigilance is focus on them. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and an example of emotional abuse is think back Tuesday morning, he gets up, he's in a good mood. First of all, that's rare, right? Uh-huh. He's in a good mood. You're in the kitchen. He is humming and he pats you on the butt, gives you a kiss on the cheek, says, has it, have a good day. What kind of day do you have that day? You have a great day. Right. Yeah. On Wednesday morning, he gets up, steps on a Lego. He's mad how you loaded the dishwasher, doesn't say a thing and walks out the door. What kind of day do you have that day? You have a shitty day. Your emotions are based on how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's emotional dependence. Yep. So, so when you think of all the years you've been in there, being in a toxic relationship is like walking into a room that stinks. If you stay in the room, the smell goes away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. But it doesn't mean the room doesn't stink. 
Right. You know, you tell your friends what's going on in, in your house and they're like, what? And you're like, yeah, it happens every day. Our bodies right. are meant to take care of themselves. So you are enduring emotional pain. Your body's going to go, she can't do this all day. She can't do this. So our body automatically desensitizes us. Mm-hmm. You know, when you got called the first name, you were upset. They got a right. reaction. They yeah. had your attention. Okay. If you get called the same name for 15 days in a row by the 16th day, you're not going to react. Right. So then what happens? They have to up the ante, right? Meaner. The voice gets louder. They start breaking things. Pretty soon mm-hmm. you're used to that. Okay. Right. Now they're, they're blocking doorways and breaking phones. Pretty soon you're so used to your stuff getting broke. You don't worry about it. Well, that's how abuse escalates. Right. They're looking for a reaction. So even my clients that go, I'm not worried because there's never been physical abuse. They're the same ones that on the day they want a divorce are running for their life. Right. Because it's that feeling of insecurity when they start losing control of people. That's right. That's right. That's why it escalates. That's why 75% of domestic homicides occur when the victim tries to leave. And then so, so back to you asking me how I work with people. I basically yeah. teach them. I, I work with a lot of divorce attorneys and I work with a lot of, of different organizations because I'm very good at predicting what their next step is. Right. Um, yep. Me so, too. <laughs> so, so I make sure my clients, I, yep. I tell my clients, if you can't take my job away from me by the end of the time we're coaching, I didn't do my job. Mm. That's how good I want you to understand the toxic personality because your, your personality is going to attract them. Yep. So you have to learn how to spot it. But then on top of it, we get out of it and okay, now we're out. Now what? Right. Okay. We don't even have an identity anymore. We've That's given right. up our values. We've given up our friends. We've given up our hobbies. We've changed everything about us. And we've always had somebody in the room with us telling us what hat to wear. You're a mom, you're a wife, you're an employee, you're a friend. So we get dumped in a room by ourselves. No clue. No clue. So no clue. We're so lost. Yep. So I do probably like you do too. I do a ton of the self-discovery identity stuff because mm-hmm. I can't send you out there without your own identity or, or you're literally going to step into the same exact thing that we just worked so hard getting out of. Right. That's exactly right. That's why we have to do this healing process. And this is why so many second and third marriages, higher and higher and higher divorce rate. And you know, just like me, if you've done it, healing is painful Mm -hmm. and healing is hard. And I think, I think we look at this huge mountain of self-work we have to do and we just go, yeah, that's okay. I'll just stay here. Cause that's just way too much. I can't. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the same thing that keeps us in those relationships too long. We look at the job ahead of us if we're going to leave and we don't know what their reaction is going to be. And we don't know if we'll have a place to live. And we don't know if we're going to have money and we don't know if they're going to take the kids away. So we look at this huge ginormous mountain and we go, you know what? It's just way easier for me to stay in what I'm familiar with than to step out into something I don't know. So even though this is bad, I have learned to function in it. So I'm way more comfortable here. What would you say to people who have, I mean, right now we're, you know, hitting a recession where, you know, things are, are the housing market is completely insane. Um, what would you say to people who don't have, you know, who didn't have a, a chiropractic practice or, you know, whatever to, to kind of run away with, right? I didn't, who, I, I should reword that. I didn't, I signed everything over to him and I left $50,000 in debt because he had taken credit cards out of my name. So when I left, 
had nothing. Right. Which was again, a higher power going, okay, Heidi, you're not going to be able to walk your clients through this unless you go through this with no money. Uh Um, But, but what I really, I have really learned is we always focus on the problems instead of the solutions. Mm. And, and even if it feels impossible, there are solutions in there. We can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, some cases are better than other cases. And some, you know, sometimes it's like me run away and I'll figure it out later. Yep. Right. I'll get a room. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll live in a, you know, at, a, at my sister's in her basement or whatever, whatever has to happen. Right. Because, you know, that's really what it is. It, whatever has to happen. I will live wherever I have to. And, and I, I don't talk about this particular aspect of what I do uh, very much on the podcast because it is so specific to the situation, but I do help people write exit plans and yes. help them execute getting out. Um, I obviously have to work with this person, you know, one-on-one because I yeah. have to know the level of volatility. Um, but, you know, if you, if you have tried to leave and you, and you've tried every way you could, there are solutions and there are ways around it. And there are resources that people can help you. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And some, sometimes it's as much as wait until he goes to work and throwing your crap out the window and not being there when he gets back. Yep. And it's scary and it's yep. very high anxiety. And yep. Yep. And, yeah. And there are, you know, and there's so many considerations. I mean, I'm a, I'm a certified domestic violence advocate. And so, you know, there are so many things to consider because it, it can be so dangerous. And so it yeah. is, you're right. It is so very specific to, um, to the situation, to yeah. the situation. Absolutely. But, you know, there are advocates out there available for, you know, and, and I always, you know, the thing that people, I think one of the things that people don't understand is that when you call a domestic violence shelter, it doesn't mean you have to go live in the shelter. They have resources. They have uh, personal empowerment programs that are free. They have legal aid that is free. They have financial resources. Like they have, I mean, the good ones do. Um, Many of them have access to programs that, that will help you get back on your feet and you don't have to go live there. You know, I, it's easy for us to both say that now. Yes. But, but I remember being in it. I was too smart to be in an abusive relationship. Good grief. That's, I had a doctorate degree. That's right. That's right. So, so a lot of the people that are in it because they've been in it so long, they don't really think it's that bad. They, and they don't, right. They don't, they don't think that it rises to that level. And also the, you know, the worst part is that they also don't believe that emotional abuse is domestic violence and it is. And we know that now, but like when we're in it, it's hard to even, even classify what's happening as abuse, let alone domestic violence. I support people that are in it and I support people that are out of it yep. because there's nobody else to support them because most people don't understand. Right. Exactly. Me too. <laughs> and, and you know what? The other good thing is that we are both doing is mm-hmm. if they can't get help by getting out of the house or if they're not allowed to use the car or if they don't have any money, there are so many podcasts now. Yeah. That you can listen. I have my podcast. You have your podcast. And there's, I mean, it's checked full. I got a a message this morning, never met the lady. She listened to every single one, bless her heart. I can't (laughs) believe she's not sick of me. And (laughs) and wrote down notes and 
she actually left a month and a half ago and yeah. she did all of her stuff off of just getting information out of the just podcast. The podcast. I got, you know, I got to tell you, I get those messages too. And it's so true. There is, there is a, an abundance of free information out there. Um, so I, I, yeah, listen to, listen to Dr. Heidi's podcast, listen to my podcast, listen to Susan Guthrie's podcast, because she's got all the legal stuff to, you yep. know, like there's so much free information out there if you're willing to, to consume it and like yeah. take it seriously. You know I, I think too, you and I, people, people want somebody who's been through it. Yes, they do. Because, because it's so much more easy to relate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So. And I think that that's what that's what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. We could read them a therapy book all day long and yes, exactly. You know. It's not, it's not the same. It's not the same. You know, you, pe- we need people. I remember like, even like with sleep training, right. I couldn't read a sleep training book. I had to hire the professional. Cause I was like, no, 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 no. With my son, what's happening is like, I'm pretty sure that the floorboards are like, you know, coming up and the walls are bleeding and it's like, right, there's something right. happening in there. And I needed the professional to talk to me specifically to tell me <laughs> it's similar to that, right? It's like just hearing a therapist sort of talk about theory as opposed to those of us who've actually experienced it. Cause it's actually, it's a very different conversation. Very different. Very different. You know, and and yeah. I'm sure you do this too, because you get clients that are at different stages. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Ones that are just trying to do this. So you've got ones that have been in it for 35 years and have tried to leave. And, and we can both, as soon as we know the client situation, we can stop long enough to put ourselves back exactly where they were absolutely, and remember exactly what it was like and exactly how they feel so that, so that we can relate to them. Right. Sometimes right. we don't, we don't love doing that. No, but it, but it, yeah, but it helps. I mean, it's the empathy piece, you know, and the, and they've been missing that for so long. It's been, you know, oh yeah. Yeah. Tell everyone, tell everyone where they can find you and listen to your podcast and learn more about what you're doing because it's, you are doing such incredible work. And I love the way I love the sort of structure that you've created in your work. I think it's really cool and really important. So where can people learn more? It's coachingwithdrheidi.com. Okay. And of course, all the marketers go, are you sure you want to just call it coaching with Dr. Heidi? And I said, there's going to be a lot of people that have to learn this in secret. Yeah. So the website is coachingwithdrheidi.com. Um, the podcast is called It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Mm-hmm. And it's on all the major platforms. The support group on Facebook is called Strength Within. There's a lot of good support groups out there though. I do one-on-one. I do just individual calls. I, you know, I do a lot of different stuff. So a lot of, do you do divorce coaching too? Don't you? Yeah, I do. Should I stay or should I go all the way through to, you know, divorce coaching as well? Yeah. 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 Similar stuff. I love it. I'm so glad we got to connect. I'm so grateful for your voice. It takes, it takes an army though. So it's so good that we've got people that are doing the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. No, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate it. And all of Dr. Heidi's information will be in the show notes. So if you, you know, didn't hear that or didn't write it down, uh, check back in the show notes and it'll all be there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. 
I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.